Hey guys, and welcome back to Trials of the TBR. I'm Audrey. I'm Amberin. And this week we read The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. Um, yep. Good preface. It is an 18 plus book. Please don't read this if you're 12. <laughs> um, and some of the topics we'll be talking about are not for if you're 12. Please, please be a mature person when you are reading this book. Yeah. <laughs> Although I don't think 12 year olds would be able to read it just because they're parents might take it away from them they might take know. it away and also they may not understand some of like why things are being done you gotta yeah gotta get seasoned by life a little bit uh. <laughs> <laughs> seriously what a trip this book <laughs> it, it, it was a roller coaster it, it was a roller coaster yeah like, I loved it. I love the fact that it's old Hollywood and you get to, you know, live the life of old Hollywood through Evelyn Hugo. But what a life she lived. Dang. What a life. That woman was, she was something. I, I don't know, I really liked her. Like, at first I was like, mm, I'm not sure about you. But then I'm like, okay the parts of her that make me angry also makes me like her a lot <laughs> and and she acknowledges that she that yes like there was one fight she was having with Celia in the book and they were talking about how she's like oh well Celia was like all you do is play people and she's like yeah and she's like but you don't like when you get played and she's like I've never said I'm not a hypocrite like She's very well aware of who she is, what she wants, how she's going to get it, and what she likes, what she doesn't like. Yes, which both infuriates me because I'm like, dang, you're so mean. And then at the same time, like, I love you. I yeah. wish I could be like you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She was, she was wild. She was, who? Who was, <laughs> okay, so clearly, you know, we all know she had seven husbands. Who was your favorite husband? Harry. Okay, mine too. Yeah, this is like hands down. <laughs> yeah, Harry was my favorite. The Max, the French guy. Yeah. As much as I don't like Don, Don had his own set of issues, 100%. I don't, I think I didn't like Max more because at least with like Don, yes, it was an abusive relationship. Yes, it was a toxic relationship. A, he realized it later and apologized. And B, mm -hmm. I do think he did love her and she knows she loved him. Max was just in love with the idea of having her as his wife. And I think that's what gets me the most with that relationship because it's like he just wanted to use her. Yes. I, I agree with that. He did. He wanted her as like, not herself but he just wanted her fame yes and i have a part of her fame she's mine my wife yeah and where and dawn was like i love you how dare you do this how dare you say this right. i love you so much like and i'm not defending abusive relationships at all right no i mean much to possess i want to possess you but yeah. he was a person and Max was like, I want everything but you. 
Yeah. And like the morning after they got married and they're like laying in bed and Max is like, mm, this isn't what I thought it was. My heart broke for her because I think I, she was just, she was finally like, oh, I, I could love again. I could love this man. I think he gives me the passion I've been missing. I think he can do all these things. And for him to just kind of dismiss her the morning after their wedding. Isn't that, wait, hold on. Um, Cause there's seven of them. <laughs> Is that the one where she married in Vegas? No, that, that was like Mick or. Um, okay, okay, that's what I'm getting their names mixed up. That's what. Yeah, there were seven. So it goes, <laughs> it's here. Hold on, let me pull up my handy dandy book. So it goes, Dawn is first. Mm-hmm. No. Um, oh, no, no, no. Dawn is second. Dawn is second. Dawn was second. Dawn was her first Hollywood husband. Her first husband. Was it Ernie? Ernie. And then it was Mick. And Mick was the one that was in Vegas that was like the singer. And the one used, specifically used. And just, like her whole thought process in that part, like I how kind she of was, understood it though. Like the whole thought process, like you need to do this, but not quite to this extent. You need to act like this, though. This is what he's gonna think. And her describing the whole thing you know may um be a little coy but leave him wanting because this is how he's gonna feel and I'm like girl we've all done this at some point you know I kind of like can you not it can you not um expose our secrets like that Taylor like what are you doing (laughs) yeah I I think that's one of my favorite scenes is like her describing that part because it shows like how very good and calculating she is Mm -hmm. because she knows what she wants she's like she achieved the entire her entire goal and that chapter like described it the best and I was just like yes I love this that's my one of my favorite like one of the ones I actually fully remember is that yeah but I think also it's easy to remember Mick and his his little the Vegas stunt on her end because it was like three chapters long and it was Mm chock full of detail so it's like it has all the things and then it's done whereas with like when she marries harry i and then like but she's also still seeing celia and oh spoiler alert if you haven't read that she's seeing celia (laughs) on the side and harry seeing john on the side the timeline like there's almost so much detail that i Mm -hmm. wasn't paying attention to how long like their marriage had lasted and how long she'd been broken up with Celia and how long that has been like broken up or been together or whatever. And um, I think Harry, because it was her longest marriage, like that's why there's not so much detail because it's, there was a a period of time where they actually were like true, genuine Mm -hmm. husband and wife when Celia and John left town to go film Celia's movie. And she's like, Harry would come over and make me breakfast. He would make the bed. He would do this. Like like an actual, like the full married couple that they were portraying. Yeah. And then in- when Celia left and divorced John and Harry, yes, he was still seeing John on the side. I think there were definite times when Harry had to step into that, the significant other role. And yes, Harry and her are best friends and yes they've always been each other's family but 
I, I think that's where I got a little mixed up with their timeline because there was so much happening because it's so long. Whereas with Mick, it was literally yeah. a night in Vegas. And for him to feed her the same line, he fed the newspaper about yeah. like, his pre, like Mick was like, oh yeah, my last marriage broke up because I didn't deserve a girl like her and she doesn't deserve a man like me. And then for him to say that to her, to Evelyn the next morning, which like she totally knew was coming. Next day, yeah. But once he said that line, she's like, oh my God, this is his oh. thing. He wants to turn people yeah. down. He wants to reject you. Like, yes. Well, like he was, was using her, but she was, she was on like another level of using him. So I found that, I found that funny. Like at the very end when she realized that she's like, ah, you're playing the same game. I'm just better at it than you. But then when Celia got like mad at her when she found, so Celia and her were clearly, if you haven't read it, they've been together the whole time. If you have read it, duh, you know that. So mm -hmm. when Celia got mad at her for sleeping with Mick, mm -hmm. it kind of upset me. Okay, why? Because I feel like if your girlfriend, Again, I, I'm not in a same-sex relationship, so I don't have a girlfriend to get mad at me for sleeping with a man. <laughs> but um, the for her to be like, I'm going to go marry this man. I'm going to get the papers to stop talking about us. Like, see, like, Evelyn has always given up a piece of herself. And she even acknowledges that when, like later in the book, when she hires Louisa, when she's with Harry, and Louisa's speaking Spanish and she's like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know you spoke Spanish. And Evelyn's like, well, I sat there reeling at my kitchen table. And then I realized I've given up parts of myself and I am who I created. I'm sitting in my own golden mm -hmm. cage of my creation. So I feel like Evelyn gave up a piece of herself to keep their relationship a secret because the time period, their relationship wasn't allowed. And yeah, she and Celia also was kind of like, oh my God, people are talking about us. Where I feel like Evelyn's always been very like laissez-faire about people talking about her. She's like, they want to talk, they're going to talk. They don't have to know what's going on. But I feel like Celia was like, oh my God, no, we have to shut this down. And so Evelyn's like, she okay, I'll do what I need to do. Yeah, she was more worried about from what I picked up. And I could be wrong, but this is what I picked up. Like uh, Evelyn was more worried about what it would do for Celia's image. Yes. And all of like, I mean, yes, partially it was her own image too, because that's just who she is. And she's not apologetic about it. But she was her, her main concern. Her first concern was Celia's image. So if we're going to, if you, if when she's talking to Celia, she's like, if you want to win the Oscar, if you want to do this, this is what we have to do. Because otherwise it's going to happen. And Celia gets mad at her because she's like, but that's not what I want. She's like, no, that is what you want. Otherwise, why are you in this business in the first place? Yeah. And like, so for that Celia, was the biggest argument in the whole relationship. It's like, you need to do what you have to do to get where you want to be. You know, you want the Oscar and you want to do all this stuff, but you also want this. This is what you're going to have to sacrifice. And it's like, why are you in here if you're not going to do it? And for Celia to get mad at her for playing the part that they agreed she would play in this scheme of keeping their stuff secret and then for her to storm out 
Well, I think she was mad that she's like, okay, you're going to be in a fake relationship with this guy. She didn't figure her that she would actually sleep with the guy, you know? And, and I get that, but it's also kind of like, but what did you expect? She has to go marry him. Well, I, I know. And I, I can see both parts. Like I can see from where Evelyn's coming along to make it more believable. But I also see from Celia's point of view, it's like, okay, fine. You're trying to keep this a secret. You're going to marry him. You don't have to actually physically sleep with the dude to marry the dude. You can just say like, hey, I'm not, just make up something. It's like, but I do want to be married to you. And then let's get married instead of like, she's like, you're giving yourself, she was mad, I guess. She's like, you're giving all of the, you know, parts to yourself. I only get like a portion of you is, I think there's a quote in the book where she says that. She's like, you give the whole world half of you, but I only get a part. Um, I don't know. And so that's I, maybe I'm just me. more like Evelyn. So I see why she did what she did. Cause also she even goes on to explain that like, um, Evelyn explains the difference between like just sleeping with someone and having genuine intimacy, sitting there and like having good conversation with someone can be so much more intimate than having relations with somebody. And I think that's why for her, it made sense. It wasn't a big deal. Yeah. Because it was just using my body to get what I want but it has nothing to do with me being emotionally attached to this person because my emotional attachments are all with somebody else, which to some people can, can still be triggering. Not going to lie. That's true. (laughs) I do love her and Celia's relationship by the end, but their first breakup really bothered me with the whole mix situation. And Mm -hmm. then, cause it was also kind of like, I, I guess Evelyn laid out what she was going to do with less words. And I think Celia wanted, I think Celia wanted to pretend it didn't happen. And when Evelyn Mm -hmm. ended up pregnant with Mick's kid. Yeah. I think it was hard for her and she wasn't comfortable with that. And I think Celia also wasn't. Well, there's proof. And also like Celia never really gave up much throughout the book now again this is Evelyn's point of view we're not seeing Celia's point of view but from Evelyn's point of view Celia never gave up really any part of herself like she married John who was also a closeted man Mm -hmm. which tells you they were both doing their own thing like their marriage was also a publicity stunt just like Evelyn oh what was the one husband Evelyn did a publicity marriage to um <laughs> I feel like they were all like that um Mick was it before or after Mick it was after Mick it was the one where oh gosh like they slept in different rooms like he knew like he he was a latest man would do whatever he wanted and it was Rex North Rex that's who it was clever Rex North um so like her marriage to Rex was just like Celia's marriage to John yeah um and when now I do understand a little bit of Celia's anger when Evelyn 
does do that movie with Max and she does a little bit too much with Don on screen. Mm -hmm. Um, But then like Evelyn's anger about the movie. Well, though she like, from Celie's point of view, like, uh, or like if you're in, because they were in a relationship at that point. They were all, they lived together and whatnot. Um, but the fact that she hid it from her, like that scene, like That's... if you're in a relationship, just go talk to the person. It's like, hey, we're doing this. This is the movie. This is the scene with my ex that you all, we all know about. This well, and Celia pushed for that movie too. So Celia yeah. knew what was going to happen. She knew what the plot of the movie was. But not the way they it... were filming, I guess. I And I get that it, it shocked her. I don't know. I'm just clearly not like a Celia fan um I get that like you know whatever makes you happy Evelyn be happy I want everyone happy in this world but I just I like Celia at the end I feel like Celia's finally realized that like in order to be together in the most way possible I'm gonna have to sacrifice stuff and I hate that she finally realizes it as she's dying so And Evelyn's like, okay, I've done this enough. Like, I'll keep sacrificing pieces, like, just to get, to come home and be happy. I'll give up what I need to do in person. And so I guess I just, I I loved Evelyn. I think Evelyn was a great character. Um, Monique, the, so the whole time she, Monique is trying to write this book, trying to write this article. Yeah. I loved Monique. I will say some of the point of views switching kind of got me. Yeah, because it was like when you, whenever they have the chapters and you hear it's Celia's point of view about her life. And then it goes, when it goes back to Monique, it's like, there's not like a clear enough break in the next sentence. Cause I'm just like, wait, am I still reading? Okay, no, this is like her and Monique now. It's back in present. Yeah. Um, so some I was of that like, got me. A clear break between the two perceptions. But I did like it. I liked Monique and I loved the twist at the end. Right. When Monique's dad was Harry's secret boyfriend and we, whoo. Yeah, no, I, I was not expecting that. I was expecting something along the lines of you're my secret child. That's what I was you thinking. Know? Like, oh, because she kept saying like, you're going to hate me. You're going to hate me. I'm yeah, thinking, I thought like, this is my secret child that I had at one point that I gave up for adoption. Not your father was my ex-husband's secret lover that I framed for driving drunk. And you, I'm, this is my way of making it up to you. Like, what the heck? That was, <laughs> that was wild. And then for Monique to have to go through all of those emotions. And when she even spoke with her mom and she was like, well, mom did, she's kind of trying to get it out of her mom without letting on that she knows. And she's like, well, mom, did you and dad ever have passion? Mom was like, no, he was just my best friend. I was like, oh my God. I love, I just, poor Monique, poor Monique, but also like good for Monique. Like she's coming to terms with it. And I love when Monique's ex-husband or soon to be ex-husband shows up and she's like, Mm -hmm. without Evelyn, I would not have been able to turn him away because she knew she deserved better than what he was willing to give her. Right. And she hears a person that sacrificed so much and would not sell for anything less. She knew what she wanted. She, and she had 
to figure out ways to get it for herself. And so like in their time together, that's what she taught her because she's going through this divorce. You know, this woman's been through seven husbands. Seven <laughs> husbands is so many. You know, my, honestly, my favorite line, my absolute favorite line is the very end because like it's, you read this whole thing and it's like, the whole paragraph where she's like, uh, all anyone ever talks about when they talk about you are the seven husbands of Evelyn Hugo. And she's like, no, because they're just husbands. <laughs> I am Evelyn Hugo. And anyway, I think once people know the truth, they will be much more interested in my wife. Like that entire portion. I was just like, yes, I need to go back and reread this now. <laughs> it, was, it was so good. The last couple of chapters when they're done talking, and they're doing the photo shoot for the magazine that Monique works for. That re- and like the second I read that mm-hmm. Evelyn had paid for Grace, the housekeeper, to go on an all-paid vacation for two weeks, I mm-hmm. instantly knew what was happening because I was like, Monique had written a piece about like doctor assisted suicide. And she has said the whole time she's always wanted to take care of people around her. She wanted to take care of Grace. She wanted to make sure all of her assets were lined up because she, it opens up like Ellen's aware she's dying. And so for it to all tie back, I'm like, Grace is leaving town. The story is done. Oh my God, this is not about to happen. And I'm like getting chills talking about it. And then it happened and like poor Monique having to sit there and be like, do I stop her? Do I not? This is her right to do because it's her beliefs too. So like, Evelyn knew whoever was she was going to give this story she was going to put together what was going to happen like it's not hard to figure out or another but like I mean it worked out for her that it was Monique because like you said her best piece that she's ever written so far was that piece on assisted suicide yeah um which funnily enough was like a topic that I covered quite a few times in my college career (laughs) Anytime we had to write a research paper, ah, euthanasia. Yeah, that's, but, that's a whole mess of a topic that I'm not going to get into on this little podcast, but. Uh. <laughs> but I just, I thought it was funny. I was just like, oh, hey, I know a little about this. Uh, Second Grace leaves, but, I'm like, oh my God, this is happening. This is happening. Like she's, and it's how like Evelyn to choose her own ending because she's, not gonna let anyone else pick for her because that's been her whole life well and then I love how Monique is even like you know she she acknowledges that Evelyn had sold her body her whole life um Mm -hmm. and to not let her body take her out is reclaiming that power from your own body that you have given up and I'm like girl what yeah (laughs) it was it was an amazing read it was so good it was yeah this was such a good book I need to I need to read this again like this is one I'm going to pause whatever reading right now and just go over again so I can just it can seep into my reading soul and I want to read more by Taylor Jenkins read I think I think her writing is really good Mm mm-hmm I really enjoyed it and I know she's got other books so she's got what Daisy and the Daisy Jones and the six yeah so I want to read that 
we should. Don't you love how reading always leads to more reading? <laughs> reading always leads to, I need to go to the bookstore and get more books. <laughs> yeah. And then when you're in the bookstore, you buy books and you come home and all the other books on your bookshelf are just staring at you like, excuse me, I'm here to be read. And you're like, mm, no, nope, I'm going to read this one. Thank you. And that's why it's called Trials of the TBR. Yeah. <laughs> and we've come full circle. Gosh, I think I have my TBR pile is by my bed and it's just, it keeps growing. So I have to keep moving it around. Yeah. It's... The cat uses it as stairs to climb up to the bed. <laughs> just keep raising the bed and just keep using books as like the stairs. Yeah. I'm pretty much going to have like a wall of books around my bed at one point. I'm sure I could do it now if I brought all my books up here. Nice. Well, what are we reading? What are we reading? What are we <laughs> reading next, these next two weeks? Um, so it is National Poetry Month. Yay, April. So my next pick is going to be a book of poems called Homebody by Rupi Kaur. And I'm excited because it's been on my list for like since it came out. It's been like oh, I recognize ago. that book. I do not own it. I'm about to. Let me get on any <laughs> internet. But I got it for Christmas, um, the year it came out, and I still haven't read it. So, yeah. When did it come out? Um, I believe it came out. Give me a second. Oh gosh. 2019. So you've had it for a good couple of years. I believe 2020. Yep. Came out in 2020. Oh, okay. Well, still, still two years. Yeah. It's still a long time. <laughs> and it's purchased. Here we go. Yeah. But I'm excited. I haven't read poetry books in a while. Um, and I've been wanting to. And I read um, Milk and Honey by her and I mm -hmm. loved it. But this was her latest release. So I'm excited to read it now. Like actually fully read it. Nice. I'm excited. And I feel like a poetry book. So every book we've read so far, like I just either I've read it on like the Kindle or it's been like my own personal copy. And I just don't like writing in books. I never have like in elementary school or in middle school, high school. And they're like, Oh, let's annotate this. I'm like, can we, can we not, can we, can we not? It looks really pretty. Let's not, let's not ruin it with notes in the margins, but that's just me. So I'm really excited for poetry though. Cause poetry, I don't mind writing all over. You do know, um, I think you can get it at like office supply stores, but they have clear sticky notes. I know I need to buy them. Or, or you can use tracing paper. See, you say that I will not do it because I just, I can't, what I need to do, what I need to get better about is having like a reading journal. So like, as I'm reading, jotting down all my thoughts, mm -hmm. luckily lately just because of how timing has worked out I've been reading our books really close to recording time so all my thoughts are still really fresh but um I do need to get better about like writing down all my thoughts 
Yeah, I I hate writing in books. Yes. I think it, it's a horrible thing to do. Just, just me, because it's like, I don't know, desecrating a book to me. Yeah. But, and I know people do it all the time. I know I've seen book, like book talk where people will like, look at the book I annotated and they've got all these sticky notes and all this stuff. And I'm like, that looks great. It looks wonderful. I just cannot bring myself to do it. No, but with the clear sticky notes and like the tracing paper where you can write on them and just lay it on top of your books so you can move the page around or whatever. I'm just like, yes, I need this because now I can do what I would like to do without desecrating my book. So I need to start doing that. I like the clear post-it ideas. Oh, I had the prettiest post-its at work this week. I know you saw my Instagram. They were like seafoam green, lime green, like baby blue, all those post-it notes just make me so happy. I have like a small collection of post-it notes. And then I got this really cute one for Valentine's that I haven't used yet, but it's like this big of a block. And it says on one side, on two sides, it says smile. And on two sides, it says it'll be okay. And it's like rainbow colored mm-hmm. with like little, like the whole thing. When you look at it, it's got like clouds and rainbow and hearts. And I was like, this is so cute. Nice. I love, I love office supplies. Pens. I can never have enough gel pens in my life. I do like a good gel pen. Like those like, G2 pens. The G2 pens, or like I use a lot of the Inkjoy, the flare pens. See, I don't, I try to like the flare and sometimes I do. I think those are more of like my mood. Like I use my flares when I'm doing my book journal, my uh, reading journal, but like the Inkjoy, like the paper made Inkjoy ones with the, like you push down the ones. Oh my God, I love them. I can never have them. Like anytime, it's like, oh, uh, what can I get you? Stocking stuff or pens? Pens. Please. This thing, this twenty-four count of pens. That's like thirty bucks. Please give me that. And I don't need, but I want. Yeah, I don't need it. I have four pencil pouches, or with like two pouches that I use on a daily basis, and two are my backups. So whenever I'm running out of ink, I will put more. <laughs> I will replace. Friend. That's funny. I can never have too many. No. Even my students know. They're like, hey, Miss Oscar, here's a new pen for you. Oh, thanks. Thanks for the pens. Pens and the sticky notes. Well, I'm really excited for the poetry book. I think it'll be good. Me too. I'm excited. It's been forever, like I said, since I've read a poetry book. So I need to get back to my poetry roots. Yeah. Okay, so how do you how do you feel about this book? It was a great book. Five out of five, 10 out of 10, 100 out of 100. Loved Let's it. Let's give all the stars because it was made you feel. It made you love old Hollywood just a little bit, but also made them made you hate them just a little bit. Yeah. You know, I, I think that's one thing we kind of didn't talk about was how much I also kind of hate old Hollywood and its exploitation of, of people, not just women. Like, yes, Hollywood had, did and kind of stole does exploit women um but it also was exploiting the men and I like how it touched on that and mm-hmm. um I I, about- I I loved it I love the old Hollywood feel I love the love-hate relationship I love the fact that you also love and hate Evelyn Hugo like you, you don't um fully agree with what she's doing but you know understand why she's doing what she's doing you know 
but I also give it a five out of five. All the stars. All the stars, yes. Um, all right. Well, and then again, next week, if you haven't bought Homebody by Rupee Car, please go get it or rent it from your local Libby app or your local library. Um, or just and sit there for two hours and read it because it's like a cute short selection of poems um because it's national poetry month for april and just have a nice relaxing afternoon or evening or whatever yeah three o'clock in the morning <laughs> sometimes that's the best time to read yep all right guys well y'all have a great day and go ahead and continue to tackle your own personal tbr right Bye. Bye.